another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. You have myself, Troop Scout leader Dustin Lays with Beef Wall, next to me in the clubhouse today. This is the club's historian, Denim Smoking Dart Wall. Oh, oh, oh. Back on the darts. And in between the two wall boys, you have myself, I'm Miles, a.k.a. Chief. Runs with bins. Feels good to be back. And before we get started, let's kick this meeting off like we do the rest with the straight arrow oath. So for those of you in scout uniform, three fingers salute. Those listening at home in civilian clothes, hand over your heart and repeat after the historian. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow has never needed to improve on anything in their whole life. And a straight arrow is always against Bill H.R. 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get a round table? We Matanya! We Matanya! Oh. That feels so good. <laughs> it does feel so good, doesn't it? It does. Ooh, wow. Okay, I guess, uh, Denim, you let in an ooh. Let's, what are you drinking today? <laughs> well, this is a little bit of a Christmas gift here from from Chief Friends with Bins. It's, uh, well, you know what they call me, <laughs> the Nutty Uncle. <laughs> hey, Dustin? Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, nutty that. Uncle. It's uh, peanut butter stout. It's from Dead Frog. It's a uh, local Langley brewery. It's a uh, pretty strong beer. It looks as if it's... Uh, knocking off the Reese's brand peanut butter cups. <laughs> Tastes a bit like a like a peanut butter cup. It's exquisite. Mm-hmm. I myself am sipping on another nutty ale. <laughs> this one is Chestnut from the Whistler Brewing Co. Uh, it actually is a very nice beer. It is a little bit winter tasting as well with the flavor. Roast, roasted on an open yeah, fire. Yeah, if they were to be roasted, it would be on an open fire. And it is actually quite delicious. Um, this one actually... <sighs> does have gluten in it. Oh. Yes. Oh, well. I have a Granville Island Brewing Beer. It's a cranberry orange wheat ale. It's another limited edition, very festive. Uh, it's a little bit lighter than your two beers, but uh, still very good. Now, tart cranberry meshes with bright, sweet orange flavor and aroma in this American-style wheat ale. Nice. The Americans, they got wheat. <laughs> they got wheat. We well, got wheat, they got wheat. They're doing something right. <laughs> That was a good Wee Matanya. It feels good to be back. It does feel really good to be back. And I think before we really get any further, we should probably address the elephant in the room. That's Jake. He's just a little dog. <laughs> Not the elephant I was referring to. I was actually referring to our hiatus, mm-hmm. I guess you could call it. We're pretty infamous for these. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this one was long. This was a long one. This year's been weird. Really, really weird with lots of weird things going on, getting used to different things. We're all fine. Everybody we know is fine. Don't be worried. Mm-hmm. It's just been one of those things where it's like we're not really supposed to do what we're doing, but we're doing it. We are doing it. But we took a little bit of a break, but I think we need that for our creative process. That's. I was actually having that thought today too because I was re-watching the episode you know just brushing up before we started and I was actually finding like the jokes really hitting hard on me like even though yes it is a Peggy episode we'll get into that <laughs> but like I did feel like I got a true palate cleanse by not engulfing myself in King of the Hill 24-7 yeah. just kind of you know viewing other things <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah I'm actually I'm really excited to get back into it. I think you're so right because when I first started doing these notes it's dated July 18th 2020 <laughs> yeah. and and when I first was doing these notes, I was like, okay, this is kind of like a downer episode. 
episode, but then I watched it again, like in the past week, and I was like, "This is a fucking right. decent one." Yeah, like, I, I got the we, same attitude. Yeah, we kept pushing it and like being like, "Oh, it's a Peggy episode. We'll get to it next week, and then <laughs> next week." And I mean, in the summertime, especially my biz, my busiest time of year is is like six day weeks with thirteen hour days. So it yeah. just it just was pretty easy to push it and push it and especially. And, yeah. uh, like when it's just so hot and sunny out, it's like it's kind of hard to find time sometimes to hang out in Denim's basement for hours at a time. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And I mean, I know my work's picked up quite a quite a lot as well, and I've been given a lot of extra responsibilities. So mm-hmm. my my plate's been getting more and more full. And uh, now mm-hmm. I'm I'm DMing a and D campaign, so that <laughs> takes up a huge chunk of time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, I got cyberpunk. <laughs> <laughs> but like with our uh, our listener feedback, there's only one specific that we will mention but we know that the, there's a lot of messages that we've received and we a appreciate it a lot of new it. people too yeah well, especially like we have a lot of new Facebook uh, followers so that's nice But that's where the people are that is mm-hmm. yeah. so like we see your messages if we don't respond we apologize we're not huge social media guys um I do also like not being live at the time. I feel guilty. Like, mm-hmm. I, I recognize you guys want more. Yeah, I, I have. I just can't give it to you at I, the time, and I just I, don't want to be around. I have responded to a couple messages here and there, and like, it's always like, sorry, we will be back. I'm working on it. Like, we're trying. Like, we're going to get it together, but. Yeah, I, the, mm-hmm. basically, like, I, I'll, I'll even out myself. Like, the, the main reason we're together is I'm, I was on vacation this week, so I was able <laughs> to take care of a lot of shit and give myself a lot of time to prep for this. And we uh, thought you guys wanted the Christmas gift. Yeah, that too. Yeah, uh, for sure about that. And, yeah, we're uh, maybe a little bit um, vacant on our social media, but we are committed to still putting out the best possible product, the King of the Hill universe has ever seen <laughs> it may just be a little bit patchy or slow at yeah. times but that's we're, just the way it's gonna be we're sorry you, you had to go without us for for, <laughs> for so long it's we, yeah, really unfair of us we Very especially selfish. apologize to the people who've messaged us saying that they were forced to try out other king of the hill podcasts yeah. much to their dismay but uh, <laughs> so should we get back into this or no you wanted to Right, Sorry. we do have one, uh, a very uh, good friend of ours, one of our favorite listeners, Brian. Um, he had some a big year, actually, uh-huh. considering everything that was going on, and he released his first uh, single. It's called My Roommate Suck. You can find it on Apple Music, Spotify, and he goes by the handle Set to Panic, and it's a banger. We promise. It's a lot of fun. So if you have time, go listen to our friend Brian. So should we get back into it? Yeah, I guess that concludes our listener feedback segment. Uh, And we will get right into this episode with some episode info from The Historian. Yeah, so this is episode 11 of season 3. This is our 46th overall, entitled To Spank With Love. It originally aired on January 19th, 1999. Directed by Adam Cullman. This is his fifth episode of his total 18 for director credits. Uh, His previous episodes have been Hank's Unmentionable Problem, How to Fire a Rifle Without Really Trying, Snow Job, and Life in the Fast Lane. Bobby Bobby Saga. 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 Um, And uh, for the writing credit on this one, I'm sad to say we we have our first longtime writer farewell. Mm. Is it David Zuckerman? His final written episode for King of the Hill after this. He uh, went on to co-create Family Guy and American Dad. Yeah. 
And uh, I know those shows. He has had great success in his <laughs> career. Doing all right. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, that's wow. Farewell to David Zuckerman. Yeah, this is his fourth episode. There's his others include Plastic White Female, mm. Halloween, mm. and Leanne Saga. Which are all fantastic episodes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially that Halloween. Damn, yeah, I, I, I fired up our, uh, well, the episode and our version yeah. of it. Uh, well, I mean, not, when we are making episodes, ago. you got to listen to the old ones. <laughs> On Halloween, though. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a good one. Yeah, I think that one had some high production quality. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of hours in the booth on that one. <laughs> and yeah, this, uh, so the synopsis is... Peggy gains a reputation as an abusive disciplinarian when she spanks Dooley for humiliating her during class. Sorry if I sound like I slurred. I did just drink an absinthe. <laughs> yeah, we're on the absinthe right now, actually, and it's uh, it's downright decent. But I could absinthe, absinthe, yes. synth, 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 synth. Absinthe. Either way, I can feel it going straight to my head. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, well, like, It's been a long time since I've seen a cold open, <laughs> and thank God that we get one here. Uh, we are in, I guess, Peggy's Garden, which I right off the bat, this doesn't exist, does it? Like in other episodes? Like, this it, is brand new? Yeah, this was its first and last appearance okay, so, uh, of, the, of the Hills Garden. All right, I was, I was making sure I wasn't going nuts, because I don't think I've ever noticed Peggy's Garden there before. No. But anyways, we see a nice shot of uh, Peggy and Joseph picking cabbages or lettuce and beets. And Bobby's just, you know, sun tanning. <laughs> I'm getting some nice color. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Hank has to keep an eye on this. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> he does have to monitor this conversation while he's filling up the mower with uh, some gas, some some petrol. Yeah. And uh, and Joseph uh, tells you know Miss Hill to watch out because there's a, a bull snake in the garden and Peggy, being the cool dad that she is, <laughs> g- grabs the the bull snake and, and starts examining it. Immediately identifies its gender. <laughs> yeah, a male? No. Oh, that's a female. <laughs> and uh, she says that it's probably about nine months old. And like right away, um, since I knew this was a Peggy episode, I thought to myself like. Put in my notes, like, fat check that because I don't trust anything that she says. And they don't even live that long. They, no, no. They, <laughs> I thought it was going to be that. But they actually do. They can actually live quite a long time. They can live up to 12 years in the wild or 30 in captivity. Jeez. But, like, they are born. This is what Big Pet Store wants you to think. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But they're, they're like, their mating season uh, happens, and then they're mostly born within September, August. So if it was nine months old... This would be in May or June Mm -hmm. of, like, King of the Hill universe. So either – because in the past we've noticed that the episodes that come out – like, if they come out in January, it's based in January is usually what we've noticed. So either she's wrong or it's just way older than nine months. Right. But – like, I also did some research on the bull snake, and it says they get up to eight feet long is their maximum. So this one was, like, I guess roughly the length of her arm. Yeah, so it must it have been potentially, a baby. Yeah, like well, she's got a five-month-old baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know those snakes are found in British Columbia? Yeah, I saw that, too, and that creeped me out. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I always forget you have, like— Yeah, hey, that's where we live. Yeah, I know, but we also have these, like, desert regions that obviously we, we never fucking yeah, go yeah, to. Yeah, not here. Not, not on the, the island. island. <laughs> But yeah, that was a uh, that was interesting. At least they're uh, 
Do you know that we're Norman. like the only place that have garter snakes? No, we're not. Look it up. <laughs> really? I thought they or were like, like super common. No, like uh, BC. No, they're all over Canada and North America. I'm actually. sure they just call them something different. But anyways, it, any mom that grabs a snake right out of the garden identifies it and then just hucks it away. Did you hear the sound it made when it hit the alley? <laughs> Your mom's as cool as most people's dads. It's like that book they took out of the school library. I've got two dads. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Have you, uh, did like, I'm assuming this book is about homosexuality and I'm assuming it was removed from a Texas school's library because it's Texas. <laughs> I mean, I tried to actually find the book itself and I couldn't find anything written before 1998. So like nothing that Bobby would have seen. Um, so it wasn't real. So I don't think it was real. Um, but I did find some books that were real. One book, I have two dads, which was written in 2014. Another book called two dads, a story about adoption. There's another one, My Two Dads and Me, as well as my very favorite. This was written in 2004 by the one and only Johnny Valentine. <laughs> one dad, two dads, brown dads, blue dads. <laughs> <laughs> that blue dad is drowning. <laughs> no, he's conservative. <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> oh, conservative in Canada is blue. Yeah, oh, I guess. In America, it's red. Oops. Yeah, <laughs> and liberals in Canada are red. Yeah, my it's bad. It's very confusing. Wild. I tried to make an American joke, but I turned it into a Canadian joke. Yeah, so. they, sh yeah they should get they should get different jerseys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they don't we just all get play on the same team? <laughs> they should coordinate. <laughs> So the following morning, we find Hank and Peggy in bed. Peggy's getting woken up rather early to get the call that she's got a sub for, I think it was two weeks, maybe more. Yeah. And she's subbing for Miss Gonzalez. Oh, the Spanish teacher. That's Spanish. And she's <laughs> immediately frightened at the fact that she has to substitute her specialty. I'm, like, convinced in this scene when she says, oh, senori, senorita Gonzalez, <laughs> that is not <laughs> Kathy Nazareth. <laughs> I'm, like, convinced they dropped in a different, like, actress's voice. <laughs> Why? Because it sounds too Spanish? Yes. It sounds proper. <laughs> sounds good. It's like, like, do you have it? Tom Landry Middle School needs you, Peggy. This job's for at least a week, maybe two. Can you sub for Mrs. Gonzalez? Gonzales? Well, that's Spanish, isn't it? It's yes, it is. Your best subject. You'll be fine. Just fine. So now I'm. I okay. Now I got. I got a few questions about this little scene here, like because this guy obviously is like she talked to him before lots of times, and it's definitely not Dale, even though it sounds like him. Oh, it's not. No, it is not Dale doing a prank. Oh, okay. I thought you meant it wasn't Johnny Hardwick. Oh, I'm quite sure it's Johnny Hardwick. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I know you're saying that, like, she sucks at Spanish, because she does, and we're all in agreement here. But I think he's, like, doing her a favor, right? Is basically saying, like, I'm trying to set you up for an evaluation, so I'm giving you your, quote-unquote, best subject to be evaluated upon. That was probably his thinking, but I also think there probably was just, like, a coincidence involved because we don't know actually what happens to Miss Gonzalez, but the dude is certainly trying to help her out, give her a right? favor and be like, "You shouldn't have any trouble." Because she does say substitute Spanish teacher most of the time, not this episode, but oh, she said substitute Espanol. 
<laughs> but she usually like like categorizes herself as a Spanish yeah. teacher. I mean, she will yeah. teach PE when the girls need to <laughs> wrestle, but... Yeah, well, work is work. <laughs> but uh, he can't connect the two dots because he could get fired, but obviously Peggy's got to throw more Spanish at him, and I, I think this is Kathy Najme. There's something you're not telling me. Dang it, Peggy, I could lose my job. Diga my... I, I just can't. But on a completely unrelated subject, hadn't it been a while since your last surprise in-class evaluation? Well, yes, it has, but tell me what you... Oh. <laughs> so Peggy's slow to catch on, but uh, just for those non-Spanish-speaking listeners out there, a.k.a. just us in the clubhouse, I'm sure, <laughs> Digame means tell me. Digame? Uh, yeah, that's like, I, I just put Digame into Spanish Translate and put out tell me, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. She does know a little bit of Spanish. Uh-huh. That's good. I, I mean, we don't know how it's pronounced. No, <laughs> no, no idea. That's true. But I mean, at least she finally comes around to these very obvious hints that. Uh, Eventually. Yeah. So Peggy shows up to work and to her surprise, <laughs> <laughs> the evaluator is there. Ms. Hill, I'm Ms. Ayers. I'm here to evaluate you. Really? Oh, I, so I had no idea. My goodness, what an evaluation. Well, that, imagine. Imagine. <laughs> so, Benzie, our resident character expert, Miss Ayers, or Ayers, Ayer, I think Ayers. Ayers. Um, she, she's a one-time character. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just thinking about that. Like, there's a lot, or at least, like, a few that we meet in this episode, and there are no special voice uh, actors or anything like that. So these are all in-house King of the Hill people that we've all met before. So I'm assuming that would be Miss um, Ashley Gardner, Nancy. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it is Nancy. Mm -hmm. uh, there's another character that shows up a little bit later that I'm going to ask you about. Because yeah, well. Nancy's not in this one. No, she's not. But she's credited. But as, she's like, still Nancy getting paid. Payton. Yeah, <laughs> she's credited as Nancy Gribble in the cast and crew for the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she's getting paid as Nancy, but performing <laughs> as Miss Ayers. Yeah. Peggy is trying to overcompensate for her shitty teaching ability <laughs> by explaining to her that her student had just reminded her <laughs> she was the uh, substitute teacher of the year, 96 and 97. Mm -hmm. Inclusive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, she had two trophies later, which yeah, I only had. ever remember one. I only remember one in her little closet. Uh, like, I thought it was 96 slash 97, but no, it's she when she had the two trophies later, I was a little because uh, I don't remember her getting the second one yeah is year. it is it just because like this is 99 and they didn't um i'm not sure i just know like realized that till now but you guys are totally right there was only ever that one trophy in her little closet office there but and she mentions it every episode so you would think yeah, there'd like, be an episode about it yeah so they must have just added i guess the first one like just to make it funnier i don't know to add more like depth to it yeah, that I, that she was like i mean like she's the only person who cares about these yeah. awards so yeah. she has i don't two, like i don't know what inclusive means but like you know when you win the stanley cup it's like the 2019 2020 season well yeah. it's the 2018 2019 season yeah. yeah stanley cup but then like does it 
it, but like that's what I would have said when she said inclusive. I thought she meant like the school year goes from '96 to '97. Right. So oh, and it's, it's one trophy. It's one for the trophy. Both. That so makes sense. When she said inclusive, that's what I assumed. So maybe she got a second trophy made <laughs> for the second <laughs> yeah. half of the year. She wants to treat each year with one trophy. Semester one semester. But uh, at this point, we also see the uh, the main kind of driving plot and antagonist to Peggy uh, start to birth when they notice uh, Peggy is now the substitute. The sex ad episode was a long time ago. <laughs> a substitute. Attack. <laughs> None other than our favorite slow-talking bullies oh. from Tom Landry, Clark Peters, and yeah. Stuart Dooley. I, oh, I won't get ahead of myself. No. <laughs> but, but, yeah. Peggy is such a hotshot. At the beginning of the scene, oh when she's just God. like saying everyone's name, when, like, when when she when Connie comes into the room, and Connie's just being polite because <laughs> they're neighbors. It's <laughs> her fucking neighbor. Hi, Mrs. Hill. Buenos dias, Consuela. I have always enjoyed a special relationship with my students. <laughs> Consuela's a name. Yeah, you don't, you don't change an English name. From Connie to Consuela, Joseph to Jose, you don't Clark to Carlos. You don't. But uh, she's just being funny, just being <laughs> coy. I guess but, it's like uh, when I was in high school and I asked my Japanese friend, "I'm like, what's denim in Japanese?" He's like, <laughs> "Your name denim. is denim. <laughs> it's always gonna be denim. <laughs> it's English." But uh, so, anyways, Miss Ayers is quite impressed that Peggy was substitute teacher of the year '96, '97 inclusive, and has a healthy relationship with all of her students because most substitute teachers get bullied. And Peggy takes it upon herself to bully Miss Ayers. <laughs> That's impressive. So many subs get bullied by their students. Well, a bully is just someone who victimizes others to make themselves feel important. Would you like me to repeat that slowly? Oh, it's no, I'm just penalizing you for starting class late. You were saying? <laughs> I love that. She's so defensive, and then it's like, oh, no, you were late, so I'm just penalizing you. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like she's describing what a bully is, and if you replace victimized with patronize, she's doing the same <laughs> yeah. thing to Miss Ayers. Miss Ayers like, shut up. The moment Miss Ayers says that is, like, the moment where this episode goes fucking completely south for Peggy. Like, after that, it is just a chain of events that lead to her it's, demise. I, I wonder if that's because, like, her self-confidence that she rides so high on is, like, shaken. So she's, like... I mean, she's not wearing a belt. <laughs> like, she's got, uh, she's right between the bullies. <laughs> Everybody knows. That's what they do. <laughs> that's true. Mm-hmm. For this scene, uh, I'm, like... No, I felt so dumb because I was like, oh, they're speaking Spanish. I'm going to translate it all to English. And I did that. And going through, I'm like, I didn't need to speak Spanish to understand this fucking conversation. (laughs) And I didn't find any like catches of like, oh, she said this wrong and she said something else. It was all like accurate Spanish, just pronounced poorly. So I just did a bunch of busy work for (laughs) nothing. So if there's any part of this scene that you want translated, I can do it, but I'm not going to do it all for you. Hola, me llamo Señora Margarita Hill. ¿Cómo te llamas? Me llamo Joseph Gribble. Oh, bueno, Jose Gribble. 
So Americans grow up with Spanish, Canadians grow up with French. How does this recording equipment work, Dustin? Holy <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> oh, it is not an equipment error, it is a user error. <laughs> we should just tell them now. Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> so we recorded about an hour of this episode uh, from now onwards. Like I had a few drinks. And we weren't recording. No. Is basically what happened. Well, I asked Dustin, I said, I have a question. Dustin hit the space bar button, and then uh, that Stop stopped the recording. the recording. And we just kept talking. Like, we, like people were listening to us. <laughs> we were having fun. In 40-plus episodes, this is the first time that's ever happened. We did re-record one episode just because it was bad from the start. Yeah, but that wasn't a... Re- that was... That, that was, was marijuana. Yeah, I smoked yeah. way too much pot that yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. But this... We, and it was a good episode, guys. It's still good. It's still going to be even greater. It's great because now you know what? We'll uh, pretend like we aren't fake laughing. (laughs) (laughs) We'll try to make new jokes. We'll try to make better jokes, more more defined jokes. Okay. Um, I might let a dog in this room. We'll see. He won't say it. Can a dog come in? Come on, Taz. All right, so we're uh, we've switched from beer to absinthe because <laughs> we've got to get this done. <laughs> we sure do. And so where we left off, I was translating Spanish for the class, <laughs> and I think we're just gonna skip over. Yeah. That. <laughs> I think I said something about how uh, like English, like we uh, it, BC doesn't have French people very much. Yes, that's correct. And in in Texas, especially, Spanish is just around. So people like Clark Peters probably picked it up pretty pretty easily. <laughs> and and like I said before, <laughs> they uh, when you're engulfed and surrounded with a reason to use the language, you're more likely to actually engage yourself with that language. So like like to your example, we don't have a lot of French speakers around here, and if they are, they're from Montreal, and they can fucking leave. <laughs> and they're also very like, like English is still more or less their first language. Like, I mean, they do speak French like in their hometown, but it's like when they come to other parts of the Canada, it's not like where we would be like if we went to. No, there's a lot of Quebec. A whole lot. Like I remember, I picked up Kevin's uh, my, <laughs> fucking neighbor, my neighbor's brother from the ferry, and he had like driven on the bus, so he was awake for 48 hours, <laughs> rode on the ferry, and then Kevin was like, "Hey, man, I need you to pick up my friend." <laughs> so I went and picked up his brother, not his friend, and then uh, and like he gets in the car. And uh, Kevin is sitting beside me, and the guy gets in the back, and he just instantly lays down in my back seat. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I forgot to say, both these guys look like water trash. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, like, speaking to me in French, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're saying, dude. And his brother was just like, no, this is British Columbia. We speak English. <laughs> and, like, I'm like, dude, whatever. Like, I don't really give a shit what he has to say. So, and he's like, making his brother have a conversation with me in English when his brother only wanted to speak French. Like, his brother had been in BC for seven hours and was refusing to use English. <laughs> like, and and even, yeah, like, I've heard from a lot of people that, like, especially, like, if you try and speak French in Quebec and you are not like a fluent French speaker, they oh, ridicule. Oh, yeah. They like they hate you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I have a pretty, I have a, I mean, I've I've never been to Quebec, 
province or Montreal, the city. But uh, I have I have a pretty low opinion of it, and it's <laughs> definitely just from other uh, people's stories of. Yeah, it sounds like they're not very welcoming to other cultures, and they are so unwelcoming that they want to leave Canada. Yeah, but they do. That's a whole other issue. And what we're talking about right now is Spanish. So I did want to mention that out of the entire transcript of Spanish words as Peggy speaks in this scene, I did learn one thing. And the one thing that I did learn, as many of you in this room I've learned, and I'm sure many of you listening at home, are fans of the Venga Boys. <laughs> now... If you did what not was, know, what was their one big, like their main? The Venga Boys is coming. Everybody's jumping. If you've ever been to Six Flags, you know. But I'm, you may not know that Venga in Spanish means come on. Come on, boys are coming. <laughs> Everybody's coming. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, that's what I learned out of this. Um, and I also learned that Stuart Dooley speaks perfect Spanish. No, that's Clark Peters. Stuart Dooley speaks perfect Spanish. Can este tarandolo start stay nerf? Esta Dooley, Senor Hill. Senor Dooley, venga. You're dead. En español, por favor. To Eris Muerto. <laughs> and of course we recognize the voice of the narc rat Randy in the class. It's none other than our good friend Cheryl Holiday. That's where we got drunk last time. That is Cheryl Holiday. Yes. But yeah, it's always nice to see uh, Cheryl make another appearance. Every time I see her on the IMDb when I'm scrolling past and I see that little profile pic of her and that giant margarita. <laughs> oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. She's she's my favorite. She's a regular booze hound. Mm-hmm. And it's right around this point where Peggy really starts to lose control, is it not? When That's when Dooley starts to eat her lunch behind her back. And, yeah. like, the whole class is just laughing. And, like, Peggy's just treading water here right oh. now. Like, she's... You're totally right. I have in my notes that Dooley is unruly. <laughs> yeah, I have class is raucous. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fact. And honestly, the uh, the uh, evaluator behind Peggy is just furiously taking um, what I assume is mean notes about yeah, she's, Peggy's she's not uh, She's not writing down any inspirational quotes from Peggy <laughs> as she thought at the beginning well, of this scene. What was her name? Ares? Miss Ares. Is that a Spanish name? Uh, I don't think so. I seen two different spellings of this when I looked on either the IMDb or the King of the Hill wiki. The IMDb calls her Miss Ares, which is Spanish. It's like an A Y R E S, like Ares. Ares. That's and yeah. then in the King of the Hill wiki, it's spelled like E R I S, which is like an Ares, like yeah. not Spanish. Yeah, that's so, the one I saw. So I could say either way, but looking at her, I like she to, married a Spanish man at best. I like to I like to think that uh, she knows the Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> she's judging Peggy harshly. Well, hopefully if she's evaluating the <laughs> yeah. Spanish class. Well, she's evaluating the substitute teacher. She doesn't have to be a fucking math teacher to evaluate a math teacher. No, I that's mean, true. anybody can really evaluate how well a teacher's teaching. I mean, I don't even fucking know Spanish. And I know Peggy's doing a horrible job. Fair so. enough. Mm-hmm. But, um. Oh, yeah! <laughs> she does that terrible job, and then we find her at home 
you know, sulking and complaining about that she has been told she needs improvement. Needs improvement? I have never needed to improve on anything in my whole life. Which I'm gonna fact check as false. <laughs> I've seen We don't her. need to bring ink and paper into this, but <laughs> <laughs> she has not been flawless Just throughout the series. Just give me a donut. <laughs> it is sad to see that Peggy is so upset about her performance <laughs> as she did pride herself uh, upon her Spanish skills. And Hank does his very best at consoling her. Relax, Peggy. Everyone has a bad day. I remember back when I first started at Strickland Propane, there was this guy who had a bad day. Uh... See, I can't even remember that fellow's name now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's hands down my most favorite line of this totally. episode. I don't know. I might like the cotton one more. Yeah, <laughs> teach their own, but I love like Hank and the uh, like insinuating that he's never had a bad day <laughs> yeah. in yeah. 15 years or so. <laughs> but he did know a guy once, but can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, he knows Bill. And Bill has, doesn't have very many good days. No, but, but so maybe by comparison, Bill or Hank always feels like he's doing better than Bill, so he's having a good day. I mean, that is. I mean, if you do set the bar low, you're never disappointed. <laughs> like really, really <laughs> fucking low. I mean, yeah. Like besides Boomhauer, I mean Dale also is a bit of a. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, Hank doesn't have a lot of. Dale's peers not perceptive to... enough to know he has bad days. Yeah, exactly. But we see. Um, Peggy, she heads back to class, not feeling any better about herself because the words of encouragement she got at home were very short-sighted. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't mean a whole lot to her. So she stumbles into the classroom. She's like clearly like she almost looks like she's running late at this point. Yeah, she's like totally. hustling and bustling. She's like, okay, class, like blah, blah, blah. And at she, this point, the, the evaluator's not there anymore, but she's still. She's acting like the shadow is. is uh, still behind her. Exactly. And she uh, she starts to teach her lesson and she realizes that someone has doodled or graffitied <laughs> on the chalkboard. Peggy Hill, esta loco. Were you trying to get crazy with this scene? Don't you know I'm loco? And I don't know if you Spanish speakers out there know what that means. Or you Cypress Hill fans out there know what that means. Dude, did I ever tell you about that time I saw Cypress Hill live? Yeah, you did. Fucking fantastic. They hit a drum solo. Not just one, two at the same time. And a DJ. Also, there was guys on bongos, there was guys on drums, there was guys on DJ. They had a big solo. It's fucking awesome. Cypress Hill? Yeah. Were you taking hits from the bong? I had a big blunt. <laughs> it was at Pemberton. Ah, yeah, I may okay, have been also sense. experimenting with some other fun things. There was so many, many drugs on the menu that day. <laughs> uh, but she goes, Tylenol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the next day. A lot of vitamin water. But she goes to um, write... Or like a brush out as erase, to look off yeah. the board. Erase, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. And like uh, someone has put a piece of chalk in between Classic the eraser trick. and you see Clark Peters with his like <laughs> arms folded. And he's just relishing in his prank he had done in front of the whole class. And um, she tries to get on with her lesson. 
and there's something in her eye. There's actually two things in her eye, and it's coming from the wristwatches of one Clark Peters and Stuart Dooley. And I remember doing that shit when I was fucking young, and, like, I thought I was so clever, because, like, you'd catch the light off your wristwatch and be like, oh, shit, that's mine. And then you start shining it around and, like, thinking that you're so sly, but when it switches to that view of Peggy and she sees the wristwatches in her eyes, it's so obvious who's doing it, and she's not having any of it. Yeah, so she uh, she storms right over to where Clark and Dooley are sitting and demands that they take off their wristwatch, and you can see this little back and forth going on between the two. They're making eyes at each other, and it's just like both such like squinty little like <laughs> no be- do gooder eyes, yeah, beady I'm- eyes. So as she's trying to instruct the two boys to take their wristwatches off, Stuart Dooley does the utmost unthinkable. I pulled your pants down. <laughs> <laughs> Pulls down Peggy's pants in arguably the most horrific scene we've seen to date to in the date. entire series, and it is awful. He unleashes the beast. <laughs> he does. <laughs> and uh, we see just slow motion laughter <laughs> and upset and humiliation and just fear from Peggy. We see the one thing that the only person to see that in the last 20 years has been <laughs> Mr. Hank Hill. <laughs> oh, and, 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 ba- and Bill has dreamed about it. Yeah, well, that's not, not so weird. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like what you'd imagine to be the worst day of elementary or middle or any any type of school for a student is to get your pants pulled down in front of anyone. Well, as a teacher. Is just unthinkable. I mean, you don't even, that's not even, like. I've seen teachers get punched, and I've seen teachers get, yeah, humiliated. I've seen them humiliate, I've seen them cry, I've seen, I, I like, because the class upsets them. Yes. But, like, I've, I've never, I've never seen, like, I mean, that, that crosses a line. I mean, I, I mean, I went to not middle school, but I went to high school almost 10 years after this, and that would not have even been considered by anybody I know. No, it's barbaric. No, it's like, awful. Yes. It's awful. Because it's not To a teacher. Funny. To a I teacher. Mean, yeah. To a teacher, yes. Yeah, sorry. But yes. To I've a seen, like, in gym class. Like, that's but like a... You know what also is off limits? Spanking a middle school student. Mm-hmm. And that's what follows that scene. Peggy pulls her pants up. Just gets animalistic. Lay off, man! (laughs) (laughs) Grabs Stuart Dooley, pulls him up over her lap like a perverted Santa Claus, and just (laughs) starts smacking away. Oh, yeah! (laughs) (laughs) That is the most aggressive oh, yeah, I think I've seen Peggy do. How do you think that the teachers nowadays uh, inflict corporal punishment while uh, over Zoom? (laughs) They rely on the parents (laughs) So yeah, that just is like the worst scene ever Um, You can notice in the crowd as it is just like slow motion Like faces like laughing and pointing hysterically at Peggy You can see the two students who do not partake in that And that's one Connie and Joseph Because they know Peggy on a personal level And they're not about to partake in that So I had a lot of credit to Joseph and Connie for doing that, even though, like, you know, they didn't try and stop anything. But they, they couldn't. The it's bullies were going to do what they were going to do. Yeah. Yeah, you got a lot of credit in the, in the clubhouse here for that one last time because we didn't notice that. <laughs> I, still, yes. I still didn't notice that. Mm-hmm. But um, 
But yeah, I mean, yeah, because like that also that makes sense to me just because like I can think of like teachers I knew personally outside of school, like either because they're my parents' friends or, or like my auntie, something like that, <laughs> and, or my auntie's friends, yeah. which is exactly the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> but but yeah, like and like, you know, like it's it's interesting when they like you have a connection to that teacher and you no longer can look at them as like an authority figure that's getting humiliated. It's like a friend or yeah, not just a, not just that you can't look at them as an authority figure figure but like when your friends start like goofing off and like looking like stupid kids around them and you're like oh like I know that we would get a talking to and like if this was any other teacher I'd roll my eyes and laugh but like I personally know you I go to your house and like yeah. I'm sorry like <laughs> yeah, I didn't, yeah like I didn't mean to be such a little shit that makes sense so now Peggy realizes what she's done, and she's really panicking. Um, I love that uh, Hank tries to console her in any way he can think possible. Slow down, Peggy. They won't fire you. You're a substitute teacher. They'll just stop calling. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not wrong. No, he's being so like honest about it, and it's just like, you're not fired, but technically you are fired. Yeah, like... <laughs> But That's uh, how I fire people. <laughs> you just stop, stop calling. calling. I just stop calling. We don't make a schedule, so I just stop calling you. <laughs> that makes sense. It's like, oh, should I look for another work? It's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. If we really, really need you, like, we'll call you. <laughs> and if you're busy, you're busy. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But uh, it's funny to me just Peggy racking her brain for ideas that she thinks she could do instead of substitute teaching. Don't panic, Peggy. There's lots you can do. I could design software. People have always said that I, I-, I could open up a paint-your-own-pottery store. You know how much they get for that crap? No. <laughs> I I firmly believe that that is a, that is a Mike Judge written line. Because <laughs> if Mike Judge was ever like, oh, man, I'm broke and TV ain't working out, I'm he would be a programmer like that's his job that's what he did went to school for mm-hmm. <laughs> makes sense and i mean it is fucking funny because it, like, <laughs> it is like like you look at like software design and it is so similar to painting your own pottery yeah right? <laughs> and no. substitute teaching the funnier part is that it's actually closer to learning another language <laughs> like which <Spanish>. peggy <laughs> cannot do on as it is <laughs> which is a fact <laughs> seen it mm-hmm. she actually got fired from doing that so i mean it is ironic that's what she goes to mm-hmm. and hank has another great line where he's just like oh don't worry peg i got spanked tons when i was in school and i and she's like oh you turned out fine Better than five. <laughs> and he goes, I love the juxtaposition with Bill later. <laughs> yeah. And like uh, <clears throat> Hank goes on. It's it's kind of funny the way his tone changes when he talks like better than fine. He's kind of master. Almost, <laughs> he's talking proudly of Spanky. It was a piece of hickory about yay big and it had holes drilled in it to cut down on Wind resistance and a little <laughs> pine tar on the handle for a no-slip grip. Uh, good old Spanky. <laughs> He's such a man's man that, like, even though this, like, device caused him nothing but, like, terror and, like, fright, but he can appreciate the streamlined <laughs> design of old Spanky. I think it comes from his salesmanship, because you can hear him at the end there where he talks about the pine tar. He breaks into salesman pitch, like, yeah. and a little bit of pine tar for the no-slip grip. <laughs> yeah. It just it makes me think, like, he's 
going into his other gears. <laughs> he's defense mode. Yes, yeah, exactly. And he shudders at the, his own words, basically, because he knows what the pain that thing caused him. Mm-hmm. And then um, we see Bobby come in. Yeah, Bobby's not very happy with the way that Peggy's handled this situation because Bobby's been in this situation before, and I think he's actually showing like a lot of uh, emotional intelligence here to discern, you know, this is... You know, I'll let you play. I'll let you listen to the clip. Dooley pants you. That's what he does. And when it happens, you pull up your pants and move on. If you don't know that, no wonder you bombed on your evaluation. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, you're, you're right that, like, he is very emotionally aware of this. But at the same, like, I think, yeah, he has spent his life learning this. Whereas Peggy comes into it. As, like, substitute top dog, like, substitute for, like, the leader of the classroom. Mm -hmm. And she couldn't handle it. And, I mean, a part of it probably had to do with the fact that she was so on edge. So, like, I mean, a substitute teacher, in my experience, and it's been a long time, but, like, they come in and they, you know, you, you give them that second. And if they bleed in the water... Then you attack. You swarm. Yeah. 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 And but if they are a little cool and, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, we're going to play floor hockey today. And it's like, all right, I like this sub. (laughs) They have to be aware that they're a sub. Exactly. (laughs) And and so, like, you can see. And so because she's being evaluated, she's being the worst sub that any classroom of kids can have. And they do exactly what Dooley said. Yeah. Attack. Her her weaknesses are exposed. Yeah. And I mean, the second that Miss Eris marks her for being late. Like, mm-hmm. that's when the blood is in the water. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. That's when Dooley says, Attack. <laughs> Following scene, uh, Peggy is meeting her maker. She's having her meeting with Principal Carl Moss and Mr. and Mrs. Stuart Dooley. Yeah, and it's, been a, it's been a minute since we've seen Carl Moss. It's mm-hmm. nice to see him again. Yeah, I think this is the first time. In- oh, well, I think we saw him like an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we do, for the very first time, get to meet the Dooleys themselves. And we get to see where Stuart gets his mannerisms. And like you said, it's not from his dad. Like father, like son. Not that your son is well, worse than our dogs, dogs because he's not, and we have a very, very good dog, so that speaks volumes for your son. Mrs. Hill, please, we should apologize to you. I'm sure Stuart deserved it. We know what a handful he can be. Well, what are you saying? Because his dad seems to be the most level-headed, and he's, like, obviously stressed out. You see him running his fingers through his hair. Yeah, he you looks, really feel for the guy. He looks disheveled because he married Dooley and produced Spawn of Dooley. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got to live with it. Yeah, and, I'm uh, sure Dooley is her maiden name, and he took that. Yeah, no, <laughs> Mrs. Dooley is a very, uh, she's a woman of few words, and she's very uh, punctual in her uh, delivery. You did. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think voiced that one? Uh, uh, Pamela Adelon. Mike Judge's wife. I don't know. <laughs> I think that that I heard a little Clark Peters. I, I could hear. Yeah, I would have said Pamela. Who does Dooley? Is it Pamela Adelon? Dooley's done by Mike Judge. Yeah. Oh, he does. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, I don't think that was Mike Judge. And then Judge. Clark Peters is done by uh, Pamela, Pamela Adelon. Adelon. Yeah. I think that might have. My money's on Pamela Adlon. Yeah, I'll mm-hmm. put my money there too. Mm-hmm. But uh, Carl Moss, it's the 
the easiest day of his career. He's, he's following procedure. <laughs> following procedure, following protocol. This he's, is this is like a thing for uh, David Zuckerman because I mean he did that in the Halloween one also. Like right, it was like, like ah, she got my balls in a vice. Just like <laughs> there's no like emotion shown by like Carl Moss ever. It's no. just like I get paid to follow protocol, yeah. and I'm just gonna like literally tell you that I'm following <laughs> protocol, so you can't complain. Dude, you gotta feel for him, man. Like I wouldn't want to fucking work with children and. This, I mean, 1999, something else, but this year, like, I mean, yeah. fuck, parents are demanding. Like, uh, I mean, you basically have to just be like, yes, okay, these are the rules. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hmm, let's see. Uh, there's nothing in here about forgiveness. The procedures for administering legal spankings, which you violated every turn, and there are procedures for terminating a teacher, which I followed to a T. It's just following procedure. <laughs> Peggy, you're fired. Hey, you're fired. Mm-hmm. And uh, this scene, we actually get to meet a new and reoccurring character that we have not yet m- met before. I am still excited <laughs> to introduce you all to Emily the Hall Monitor. Is this where we were last time? We got farther than this. Uh, okay. We were just past this. Don't spoil it for the listeners. <laughs> but this character we know as Emily the Hall Monitor. Mary! And <laughs> it is not the same uh, hall monitor that Bobby fell in love with. Marie! <laughs> and it's not the same Emily that Peggy took guitar lessons from? No, because that Emily is a full-grown adult. This Emily is a child. And this Emily is voiced by none other than Jill Parker. Who is Jill Parker, you may be asking yourself. I was just asking myself, Dustin, who is Jill Parker. I hope you asked yourself days ago when you wrote these notes. <laughs> it was that July months, 18th. Months ago. <laughs> he, he did notes on the Emily that taught Peggy guitar lessons. Yeah, I got my fucking rods and cones fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. You're but... blind, man. <laughs> this uh, Jill Parker is actually, you'd recognize her if you ever auditioned for King of the Hill because she is actually the casting coordinator. Oh, and she slipped herself in there. Yeah, she found her. I would have done the same thing. (laughs) She found her little heyday. Who could do this role? Me. (laughs) Well, I mean, I have to walk, I have to walk tons of actors out of the room. (laughs) All the auditions were shit, so I'm going to fill in. Emily! I'm required to have a hall monitor escort you off campus. It's over, Mrs. Hill. <laughs> it is It is good acting. Emily I mean, is it is like a, It is an interesting, it is a good line. It's not a bad line. She's very professional. I don't think there's very many, like, 12, 13-year-old hall monitors that are going to take their jobs that seriously and have the absolute balls and chutzpah to grab <laughs> a chutzpah. former teacher by the arm and escort her <laughs> yeah. out of the school and patronize her in front of the principal. You're out, Miles Tierney Group. <laughs> <laughs> You're out. <laughs> Isn't that what they said to you on your last day? And I think I was following closely behind you. <laughs> yeah, what did we do on our last day? Yeah, let's 12? not talk about it. No. Yeah. We, there was a couple... They were just pranks. Yeah. They were just pranks. Somebody spilled dozens of liters of canola oil <laughs> up and down the stairs. Oh, You're out, Miles Journey crew. <laughs> I remember slipping off. You're out. Yeah, it was pretty bad, but no harm, no foul. And same as this situation, no harm, no foul. All we have is a defeated Peggy Hill crying to her trophies on her bed. Mm-hmm. I think the only harm in that was hundreds of dollars to floor cleaners, is what <laughs> <Yeah>. I'd heard. <laughs> yeah. Potential misdemeanor vandalism Those are Canadian charge. dollars. <laughs> They're worth, <laughs> worth less. Yeah. Yeah, but they, they sound like more. 
True. <laughs> but uh, I came out unscathed. But someone who didn't come out unscathed is Miss Peggy Hill. She's in bed sobbing to her two back-to-back substitute teacher of the year awards, which is just a ludicrous award that anyone would ever give out. Like, that just doesn't happen. Looks like there's not going to be a three-peat. <laughs> That's the triple crown. Mm-hmm. And Hank comes in doing his damnedest to make her feel better, but he comes in with the most ginormous book you've ever seen, and it's about... Oh, Hank, what am I going to do? Well, uh, I got you a book on designing software. <laughs> and, and it knocks over one of her trophies, and we did dive into what this means, because 1997-1996, Substitute Teacher of the Year, mm-hmm. we're thinking that because the school year spans from 96 to 97, Peggy got one trophy from the school board, but she got a second for 1997, made for herself. Because mm-hmm, we noticed before that originally in her little closet office, there was always just the singular trophy. Yeah, and, like, it had close-ups. Like, she, like... There was just the one. Can you pass the water? Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, there was just the one, and, like... Thank you. Because, uh, yeah, like, we think that she maybe got, like, a second one made up to split the year so she can really milk it. Yeah, because she wanted a trophy for semester one and she, for semester and two. And, like, there's been a lot of focus on the one, so I feel like if we missed an episode where she got it, then, I mean, maybe we'll get it later on this season, but I don't think so. I don't sure think no. so. I think I think it was just added in to emphasize how much Peggy cares about substituting Spanish. <laughs> Do you got to pour your drinks right against the microphone? <laughs> it's the only uh, it's the only counter where they can still hear me. <laughs> Denim's currently mixing an absinthe with sugar and water. <laughs> but damn, are they not delicious? Oh, They're pretty good. How about you? You want one? I'm still good, thanks. Dustin, you. Where's my glass? So we see Peggy. She's <laughs> sobbing into her rarely seen and rarely used <laughs> garden bed. But on cue, who pulls up, Denim? Cotton. Hey there, ex-wife. What's your grand for? Got your monthlies? <laughs> <laughs> I love how, like, he can't see her face. Like, he, just her back is too much. You could tell she's crying. Obviously, he's the, the least sensitive person in the world. But honestly, the perfect person to show up at this time because the episode is in shambles. It has no direction. We are literally at the lowest point that we've seen mm-hmm. the entire episode, and we have nowhere to go from here except for the strict and definite instructions from Cotton. And the instructions that he gives... BFW meeting and pancake supper. So I'll need you to whip me up some pancakes. Couple hundred will do. And as much syrup as you got. <laughs> um, yeah. How I, he says supper. <laughs> he says syrup. syrup. Supper. He says syrup. He says syrup. No, when he says pancake supper. Oh. He goes supper. <laughs> oh, did he say pancake supper? Yeah. I just assume pancake breakfast because nobody fucking has a pancake supper. Well, they're old. They don't have teeth. <laughs> yeah, they eat right. pancakes year-round. Um, yeah, year-round. You mean day-round. <laughs> um, well, I was saying this last time, but I'm going to say it again pretend to act interested. That this episode is interesting because it doesn't have a B plot. Its B and C plots are tied into all this this whole revolving plot, which I didn't realize the last time I said this, but I'm realizing this this time that it isn't just that it's all about Peggy and her corporate punishment. 
it's all that everybody's united against. <laughs> As it always is. It's always that. And I love it. It's perfect. It's like when we mention like some of our favorite episodes that we see, like it's a very inclusive King of the Hill episode. Exactly. Like, and this is this episode, but just the cast and characters are a little bit different. Like there's no John Redcorn. There's a little bit of the guys. There's but no Nancy. There's, yeah, there's no, no Super Newsome phones. I don't even think Boomhauer no. has a line, but... No, he's got a line. We'll play it. Oh, yeah, he uh, he does. But it's... it's Un it's, Camino dos Flores. <laughs> it's, it's just a, a King of the Hill episode, but with the children. Yeah, like, Hank plays, like, a real backseat in this one. Like, he really I, does. Like, I'm not even kidding when I said earlier that I think that, like, combined, Dooley and Clark Peters have more lines than Hank. Yeah, he's pretty short-spoken in this episode, and I think... I mean, I don't know what it, what it really is, but I think he realizes that, like, it's another one of these times where Peggy's in the wrong, and he also, like, he obviously has to be the supportive mm-hmm. husband that he needs to be, but he just doesn't take it by the horns. But, and he, and he, he, he also doesn't have any dog in the race until but, Cotton shows up. Exactly, but he also tries to, like, later in the episode, I don't want to give anything away but he goes he tries to give Peggy a speech but she doesn't want to hear it mm-hmm. so maybe that was his and well like I mean what I mean even just like the programming thing is just like yeah like I mean that goes back to like substitute teaching is like a job but the pro selling propane's a career it, it goes back to like him being like a, a like that's like he doesn't give that's a shit his attitude and you're about right. Peggy's career but honestly, I, in Hank's kind of defense, I do have to at least vouch and say that he is being at least a good person at face value. Like, he's trying to help Peggy recover from the blow she's taken from getting fired. But I just think that he's a few steps ahead of her in her recovery process. And he just is not giving the time and patience to let her work through it. So he's just kind of jumping to what's next and trying to help her with that instead of coping with what's happening right now and uh, like I think I, I think I mentioned it last time it's like for him I mean it kind of seems as if like he doesn't have this he doesn't relate to this on the same level as her because I mean when when he lost his job they went on vacation for a weekend well he should open up a general store yeah what? I mean like when you look up there, like it reminds me of like the uh, the Seinfeld episode when George is just like, there's nothing higher than architect. Yeah, yes. And in Hank's world, there's nothing higher than propane salesman. Yeah. Is that a Seinfeld moment? Seinfeld moment. I was real ticked off. <laughs> um. But Cotton, to back back to the scene, to kind of clear the air, because he's still standing there because there's no one else. Like, he hasn't seen Fatty or Dale or, or anyone. <laughs> Brooklyn. Yeah, or Brooklyn. <laughs> Name of Brooklyn. Or, or, or even Hank, like anyone else to berate with insults. And he's still stuck there with Peggy. And the only Hank's thing he, wife. Yeah, yeah exactly. He, he's, he's panicking right now because, like, Hank's wife, like, she is always fighting back and, 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 and at arms with Cotton. And he's not used to having sub- a submissive Peggy. That's just like okay, fine. Like I'll make you. Yeah, it's uh, like it's like it's it's almost like Cotton dishes it out because he knows that Peggy can take it and we'll and, give it back. and we'll give it back. And like that's like I mean Cotton. I think you know silently he'll respect that. And because she is being submissive, like he kind of can see that something's wrong, but he doesn't really know how to well, come when to she, terms. Well, with when that. she explains it to him, he's fucking on her team. He is, but before that, when she's just crying and he doesn't know what to do. 
Health, Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the only other tie that he has. It's the reason he's there. (laughs) I mean, the pancakes was whatever, but he's there to see Bobby. He is. And, And like you said before, when she explains her side, He's he's listening. Alright, what'd you do? Kill him? No. Ain't no law against spanking. And is is that is that true? Like, you were the one who looked it up. I looked it up. He's Oh, you looked it up. Con ain't wrong. There's a few states, usually the southeastern states, um, but it also includes Texas where corporal punishment in schools is still allowed, but very frowned upon. I think you still would have probably it's just like old archaic laws mm. that haven't been updated since one, you know whenever they were made. So like if you did do that, I'm sure there would definitely. It's like be in Texas, reason. you can marry a 14 year old. Oh good lord, that's legal. Oh, that's allowed. That's the law, or at least it was. For I don't know our, if they uh, changed that, but I think that's allowed. For I a hope ter- that's been updated. No, I, I think it's true. I think I, you're allowed. I hope it's been updated. Well, 14 year olds can't vote, right? So who's going to vote? Against no, that? but they can have children, <laughs> and I think that's all God cares about. <laughs> Either way, any of our Texas or you know any of our Texas listeners out there, if you've been spanked in school before, recently, yeah, if, if let us know. If we're, you're married uh, before the age of 15, let us know also. <laughs> yeah, we got your back. We'll we'll, we'll call someone. We yeah, want to we'll hear some send stories. you uh, something. But F- <laughs> fucking face mask with our logo on it. <laughs> <laughs> Working our, on it with our faces <laughs> on. But. Uh, as Cotton is a very high-ranking official in the military, he also knows many high-ranking officials. General Mills. <laughs> in the school board. Tell you what, I got a friend over to the VFW. Used to principal at Hank's school. He'll have you back spanking in no time. Oh, well, I just want my job back. I- I'm not going to spank again. Shut up before you talk me out of it. That's the veterans, right? The VFW? Veterans of foreign wars. Before uh, wars. The, yeah, of the United States. Fuck. Those domestic wars, am I right? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. It's like the Legion, I guess, but they get to, like, live there. Oh, they live there? They can. Oh. There is, like, definitely rooms there. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's nice. I mean, like, since you're asking, like, the veterans of foreign wars of the United States, VFW for short, they cut out the U.S. at the end, but it's a nonprofit veteran service organization comprised of eligible veterans and military service members from the active guard and reserve forces. So they don't accept anybody from the Civil Wars. <laughs> Either of them. <laughs> there's a future episode. Uh, I won't give too much away, but there's uh, veterans of the Vietnam War that try and get in. And Gunn and his buddies aren't down. <laughs> that's a foreign war, isn't it? I know, but apparently. That's like the same. That's literally, I think, the same war as the Korean War. <laughs> yeah. but, but I think. It's just the next one. The VFW started before Vietnam, I guess. No, I just meant because it's both against fucking communism. Oh, yeah. That's all I said. <laughs> bad joke. But anyways. <laughs> Either way. So we uh, next scene, we actually get to see May- Peggy make her dramatic debut at the Arlen VFW. And what a debut it is because before she even gets a word in, she's met Jeter the Beater. <laughs> and he is describing his reign <laughs> on Tom Landry. In my 35 years at Tom Landry Middle School, I spanked thousands of students, shaping their character and preparing them to die in wars overseas. (laughs) (laughs) We seriously need to take a minute to admire the beauty of this character. Yeah, let's do it. I'm in. Shaking his fork with a piece of pancake on (laughs) it. it. It's spraying syrup over Peggy's face, (laughs) and he's just like... 
First of all, like that's Stephen Root doing that voice. Yes, like, it is. Yeah. It's percent. It's great, but just the fact that like he's just like he's fits in so well with Cotton and his buddies, and like you tell his approach to education was strictly like military. Like, yes, there was no fun. You didn't learn anything besides how to die yeah. overseas. I'm wondering, like, because like I like while I was watching this episode, and like the veterans and school beatings, kind of to me, what seemed like the perfect like mixing of like character types, because like it it. To me, it, he that's right. Like, that seems right. Like, it seems like corporal punishment in schools was from a time when... You were the, preparing these kids to go to war. Well, yeah, but I was going to... War gonna, was a big part. The draft right, right. was allowed. Like, I meant, like, you could force people to go to war. And, like, while they went to school, they were, like, Safe. fucking trained that they could go to war. Like, they could be tough, I suppose, is <laughs> what I meant. But, yeah, it's like... To, I mean, I don't know. I'm not... <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm just, I see. I, I see where you're coming from because, like, you're right. You look at schools in the past, and it is like a no nonsense, like no fun, very strict. You look at like your school experience now, growing up, it's way more relaxed, laid back, and like you're meant to be a kid while you're there. Like, sure, there's a curriculum and everything like that, but like the punishment and how strict everybody is, and the way that things are less structured and it's less like top down authority figures. It's it feels like a little bit more level of a playing field like you can talk to a teacher like you would talk to I, I will say it is like way better because like I've had tons of friends or tons of teachers that I consider friends that like I run into at I'm almost 30 and I run into them at Walmart and I'm like hey <laughs> you you are an awesome like like I'll have like a good conversation and like I'll be like happy to see them like and it's because they weren't fucking assholes to me and yeah. the teachers that were assholes, like, I don't want to see Let them. Let the air out of their tires. <laughs> <laughs> want to put a fire extinguisher <laughs> off in their car, whether it's a fire or not. Hence <laughs> them. But um, you can kind of tell that at the table, like, yes, Peggy made 200 or so pancakes for these 12 dudes. <laughs> but also, like, Peggy's story and, like, her like drive has been described to the group not by Peggy but by Cotton. Well, actually, I only spanked once. Hell, she's just being modest. She's the first teacher since they killed LBJ to stand up to those draft dodgers. <laughs> since they killed LBJ? Uh, it's like she's like clearly the first woman. What? <laughs> yeah, did you hear that? Did someone fact check that up for me? They, they did. Whoever they is, they didn't kill LBJ. I'm like. Now, I'm not an American, but I know a little bit about American history, and I am. Almost thinking that LBJ was he not the one who took over after Kennedy was assassinated? <laughs> I don't know. You Nobody know looked this up. Somebody showed up. And was he also not after that? Didn't wasn't he just like I ain't running? <laughs> wasn't he like I'm not even gonna try? Probably. Was it yeah, I Nixon don't know. came in right after. I think it was Reagan in his Star Wars program. <laughs> yes, Miles, you're right. Nixon took over after Lyndon B. Johnson, and Lyndon B. Johnson. Was after took over for uh, Kennedy. Took over after Kennedy died. So I wondered, first of all, who took out Lyndon B. Johnson? And, <laughs> they did. And why did, does does Cotton care? He was a Democrat. Yeah, I think it's just. I don't think it was supposed to make sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he didn't even have a vice president from '63 to '65. 
That's how sure he was he wouldn't be taken out. (laughs) My favorite part of that scene, um, I may be jumping ahead, but it's clearly the first woman that Cotton's brought to the VFW (laughs) that isn't a stripper. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, at the end of the scene when Peggy coins her moniker of Paddle and Peggy, we do get quite a lot of cheers from the table. I've got my cheers for Paddle and Peggy! Damn it, Wendell. (laughs) Shut up, Because right before all that uh, raucous ensues, it's when uh, Jeter the Beater hands down old Spanky. Yeah, I thought thought it was kind of clever because, like, he was like, oh, step one, you need to meet the school board. And I was like, ooh, is that like a board, like a wooden board? Like, is this what you're talking about? Yeah. Carrot top. Like prop company? Chairman of the board. Linda <laughs> yeah. B. Johnson's from Texas. That's why I wanted to just Aww. mention that Linda B. Johnson's from Texas. That makes sense. It's from the board, yeah. So Peggy finally leaves the VFW with her new uh, weapon in Sue, <laughs> old Spanky. She meets up with the guys who are in the alley, and she tells Hank about all the support she got from console army buddies. And I love, like... Dale is the first one to see old Spanky, and he's like, Oh, God, what's that under your arm? Old Spanky, can you believe they ever used something like this? (laughs) (laughs) I love it, all of them. (laughs) I love it. As soon as Peggy leaves, Dale says, like, maybe, like, the most true thing he said in the entire series. Spanking was wrong then, and it's wrong now. I'd say spare the rod and spoil the child. I mean, besides this part. Dale, spare the rod and spoil the child means you're in favor of spanking. I mean, I get that, but I don't understand why. I don't think so. So I can see where Dale is getting spare the rod and spoil the child. That in of itself as a sentence, I'm for. Spare the rod and spoil him instead. But the actual phrase, which is from the Bible. The which one? The written by Jesus? Uh, well, it was Jesus' disciples that wrote the Bible in the stories. You mean Big Pharma? No. Okay, back <laughs> up. So, you know how there's like a hundred different Bibles? I looked on the internet and I found the New American Standard Bible because there is no other Bible. I only Bible. have the satanic one. Makes sense. Well, <laughs> vague. <laughs> but in Proverbs 13.24, the line goes... He who withholds his rod hates his son. But sounds, he who loves him disciplines that him. That sounds weird. Come on, let me finish. I mean, it is the Bible. But, <laughs> kind but, of what all they're into, isn't it? <laughs> but, Sorry. Priests fuck little boys. Yes, we know. So <laughs> They he, love it. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. That's what that line... That sounds like... They want you to have sex with little boys. I mean, if you're looking at it from that direction, for sure. But that's what the Bible's meant to do is so many other interpretations. But um, what that line is saying is basically what the... the What's the rod? Stop, stop. That line, in summary, is what Dale is saying, which is spare the rod, spoil the child. But in the way that it is means is if you don't use the rod, you will spoil your child. As in, you will raise a bad child oh, if you, you spare, spare the rod. So if you don't beat your child, you will have a bad kid. So it's saying it's bad to spoil a child. 
Yes, because spoiling doesn't mean what you and I know it today is and get him anything or he or she wants. Yeah, this was 700 it's, years ago. Where spoil is like, my crops are spoiled. Spoil. They are now trash. I must throw them out. Oh, right. I okay, so I thought it meant like... Spoil. Like, spoil just like to not rape him that night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're on a little bit of a tangent right now. <laughs> Sorry. You need to simmer down. We're going to be bleeping. Is that not what this is about, though? Th- that's not what this <laughs> is about. Sorry. You this know. is about discipline, and they're saying that if you want a good kid and you want to be a good parent, you will use the rod, a.k.a. the cane, the belt. Oh, like a switch. The paddle. The whooping stick. The whooping stick. The butts of stick. You will use that, and you will hurt the child diligently when they are being um, unruly, bad, bad, and uh, that will teach them to be good. Um, Does that make sense? It makes sense now that you uh, describe the difference between spoil and spoil. It makes a whole lot more sense as, like, a biblical thing. That's what it is. And and Dale's just obviously getting a summary from Mm -hmm. it. But regardless, Bill comes in to make us all all uncomfortable. Well, sorry, before that. Oh, God. Master. (laughs) You know what? And, and, And Boomhauer has his first and only line of the episode. Uh, after Dale and Hank have this exchange. Man, I tell you what, man, it'll bring back an old, old bad memories about it. Don't talk about Jeter the Beater, man. I got a well, whack, man. We already met Jeter the Beater. So I'm not sure if you heard because I tried. I even slowed the episode down to 50% speed and listened. What are the last three words? Man, I tell you what, man, it'll bring back an old, old bad memories about it. Don't talk about Jeter the Beater, man. I got a well, whack, man. Don't talk about dead pillows, man. Pillows? Does he say dead pillows, man? Is he referring to his ass being like numb or something? I think something <laughs> like that, but I just didn't know what that like that dead pillows, red pillows, said pillows. There's something pillows, man. If only they still put the scripts up online of these episodes. And god damn it, <laughs> the downloads I have don't have subtitles. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure when you do put on subtitles with Boomhauer, it just says inaudible. Yeah, inaudible Jaber. It often does just say inaudible. Mm-hmm. Um but did we at this point bill comes in to just center us and remind us about how disturbing and depressing his childhood was being raised by his alcoholic and abusive father eric dotrieve well i don't know my daddy spanked me every day from when i was nine till i was 16 and i turned out okay <laughs> bastard <laughs> Um, that's awful. That's, terrible. Yeah, that's, that's dark. That's really bad. <laughs> it's it's not quite as bad as being forced to wear pretty, pretty dresses. <laughs> that's crazy. They must now, have happened in concert. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, like the dresses. He probably got beat in the dress. At least we know now why Bill is the way that he is. It's all coming together. <laughs> Are you hearing that, fathers out there? Don't beat your kids. Yeah, or make them wear anything they don't want to. Yeah, I mean, if they want to wear the dresses, let them wear the dresses and don't beat them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if they don't want to wear the dresses, don't force them to and still don't beat them. You know what? Children of any gender love Batman costumes. Just give them that. Every kid <laughs> at school will be wearing a Batman costume. Yeah. Look at Harry Styles wearing a dress on the cover of that magazine. Chicks love Harry Styles. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Man-bangsing? Uh, no. 
No. Anyway, <laughs> I missed it. I think we're at the Megalomart now, and Peggy yeah, runs into one of her supporters, I fellow love educator. The uh, uh, sign in the background. Oh my god, the one that <laughs> like. Okay, so there's the <laughs> That's sign. So good. That's literally <laughs> the only thing I remembered out of this scene. No. Okay, so they. The, well, first, there's the sign outside of the Megalomart that says it is uh, open d- during remodeling. Yeah. <laughs> which is great because of the propane boom. The propane boom. And this is supposed to be the fifth episode, which we referenced when Luann's haircut in season three. Right. Exactly. So like, did this we is, talk about that? We, yeah, did. we did. And this is. The other point I wanted to make is that, like, this is the second allusion to that or second uh, reference to that episode where they're referencing that, yes, the, the, the world that we're in is continuing on in a chronological fashion and the, the Megalomart is being rebuilt mm-hmm. and we see that the remodeling is happening and the sign that Denim is referring to <laughs> inside when Peggy's shopping is a picture of Chuck Mangiotis <laughs> and it reads, remodeling feels, feels so good. good. <laughs> and it's great because like there's an, a wide shot of where she's shopping and you can see like, just, like the tarps, tarps and yeah. like the, the forklift <laughs> and just the construction <laughs> going on inside the building. I wanted to just say that because like I like this scene all I took from it was that Chuck Madjot was in it yeah. and I remembered that like because I remember we were talking like what like he was only in like two more or something but that was all that he voiced like acted like got acting because I distinctly remember there always being shit like this where it's like he's yes he's always in the background he's yeah, in the background a poster and in an ad like they give him a word bubble that says feels so good get it I like it because he <laughs> yeah. feels and they I, I probably don't have to say this, but like the fact that a giant building was blown up in a propane explosion, and that in somehow in the King of the Hill universe, a quarter of it would remain open. <laughs> like the hat. Like remember Dale meeting with those hazmat guys? Yes. Like, do you think they're just gonna cordon off with white tarps? the one corner of the Megalomart and let people continue to shop in it. It it's looks like, exactly that the, way. The fact, I mean, that's what it looks like when you go to Walmart right now. I know. Like, the fact, people in hazmat suits and everything's cordoned off. Yes, <laughs> but this is pre-COVID. And the fact that Megalomart is, like, marketing the fact... Social distancing. Well, I, I think so it's hilarious good. because, like, like, they're trying to play it off like an explosion didn't happen and they're call, calling it a remodeling. <laughs> Do you think they've discovered Mangione's uh, fort yet? I don't, I don't think he's in there yet. I no. think he definitely waited till after well, it got he was blown still, up. He was still playing big concerts like that one. That's true. That one. <laughs> but. Regardless, the reason that we're at Megalomar is so that Peggy can meet one of her supporters, uh, a fellow educator. Yes. And this is another character I was curious about because I don't think that we've seen them before. When you look through the IMDb cast list and you're trying to pick out those characters that we always try to look for, those kind of unnamed or one-time or one-off characters... There isn't really one that says, like, Megalomar woman or teacher, but there is one that says nurse. And I'm wondering, is this the school nurse from I thought this was Pamela Adlon. See, the school nurse has a voice credit. And the voice credit for this character is Beth Grant. And you'll recognize her as the same woman from Donnie Darko. I'll tell you what he said. 
He asked me to forcibly insert the lifeline exercise cart into my anus. So her. Wow. That voice. I can hear that voice. That voice. It, yeah. Is, is in this character I can here. see that woman's face. And that's why we signed that petition in support of Paddling Peggy. Oh, wow. Well, I still think that's, that's Paddling Those bets being silly. It sounds like here, whoever voiced Leanne. So my curiosity is then, who is the nurse that this this actress is credited to? Is this voice the one that is getting credited to the nurse, which is the actress from Donnie Darko? Because I'm many confusion because I want to find out who the nurse is because I have a theory that this is the nurse and she is happy that Peggy wants to paddle children so she has work to do. Which no. is care for these children. I don't think that, I don't think that the, I don't, I, I mean, I, I see where you're following that, and I, I just only disagree because spanking kids doesn't send them to the nurse, and the nurse doesn't fucking want anything to do. I mean, our school, the nurse was the fucking <laughs> secretary. So, it wasn't a nurse. So, anyway. So, I mean, like, yeah, maybe it is, but I still don't think that that's the woman from Donnie Darko. So, we need It doesn't to sound like the, num- the, na- the, the voice I'm You're right. Of. I agree. And we need to find out where that nurse comes in this episode, because why is she credited if she's not here? The only person, like, it, she sounds so much like Leanne Platter. Like when she like, I see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why we signed that petition in support of paddling Peggy. Well, come oh, on, well, Stuff. That's just that is totally Leanne. Here, so have a button. I agree with you. The voice is not the same as the one actress I'm referring to. I so is it our I girl? See that. So, <laughs> so as this teacher is not a spanker, she yes is inspired as well as the rest of the teachers by Peggy for her spanking attitude, and they signed the petition to get her back. She's so inspired that she's willing to wear a Paddlin' Peggy button <laughs> That's right. in public. <laughs> Which uh, are just great. And uh, it is very quickly in the next scene that we see the school board getting together in the Tom Landry Gymnasium for a meeting. The school board vote on reinstating Mrs. Peggy Hill passes. And <laughs> tell me, is this not... Like Twig Boy's older brother, like it's, it's, it's the same boy. It's David Herman. It's definitely Twig Boy, just with a comb over and. This oh, is Eustace. Yeah. yeah. Eustace Miller, the. Is it Eustace? Father of oh, Randy so Miller. Oh, so it's Eustace. Yeah. Yeah, okay, we, I was like, I, I, I this came, I wrote down this character looks familiar. I feel like I should know who this guy is. Dash mustache. Yeah, it's it's Eustace. I thought that Eustace was a successful lawyer. Well, this is what he does in his free time. He's that much. Control in his life because he was probably bullied like his son Randy at school. So now he gets to dictate what happens in the town. And just as before, everybody is beyond excited for Peggy to get reinstated. Wake up! You're top! (laughs) Party in my house. That's right. Pancakes for everyone. That's right. (laughs) And I guess the next scene we do see is back at the Hill House in their garage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're... uh, they're heading to work, and uh, Hank kind of being, like, uh, a bit joking about the situation. He goes, well, have a good day, Mrs. Hill. And then he realizes that she's got that old spanky <laughs> in her purse there. And he's like, what are you doing with the paddle? And she's like, well, I need to have this with me. Like, the people expect to see me with it. I owe it to the veterans. Hank, don't be silly, honey. It's just a bluff. I am going to scare my students exactly the way President Reagan scared hundreds of millions of Russians with his Star Wars death beam. I miss voting for that man. 
I'm hoping that someone did more research than me on the Star Wars Death Beam. Oh, you mean the Strategic Defense Initiative? Oh, SDI. Yeah, yeah I got a bit on that. Yeah. I got a bit on that. Well, lay it on me. Operation Warp Speed. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fucking something else. Thank God we don't have the tip of the spear. <laughs> uh, the Star Wars program was a proposed missile defense system intended to protect the United States from attack by ballistic strategic nuclear weapons. The Strategic Defense Initiative Organization was set up in 84 within the U.S. Department of Defense to oversee a development. Uh, it included lasers, particle beams, uh, ground and space-based missile systems, along with various sensors, command and control, high-performance computer systems that would be needed to control a system consisting of hundreds of combat centers and satellites spawning the entire globe and involved in a very short battle. This sounds like a space opera. Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, and the reason it sounds like science fiction is because uh, in 87, the American Physical Society concluded that the technologies being considered were decades away from being ready for use. And at least another decade of research was required to know whether such a system was even possible. Oh, so we got them now. Yeah, it's the Space Force. Space Force. I don't know if you've heard about it. There's a Space Force. I have heard about it. You know what? Space Force makes sense. I mean... I, I, I don't think Donald Trump is a smart man. I don't think he's made any good decisions, but I don't think the Space Force is a bad decision. Um, this was all... Is that controversial? Should I not say that? Um, We're not going to... I'm not going to argue with you right now. I don't know yet. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, uh, but what I will ask is that, in my understanding, this was... The Star Wars program was created in, like, a defense because... When people heard about, like, the Cold War and how, like, nothing was happening because if one person pushed the nuke button, the other person would push the nuke button. And that was basically... The and Ronald thing. Reagan was basically like, if your ball goes into my yard, that's it. There's no ball. Game over. Space That's force. what he said. He's like, he's like, you try and shoot a missile into our country, and I have a laser in space, and it's going to shoot it. And the Russians were too scared to test that <laughs> fucking lie because he'd never had it, and he didn't even wasn't even close to having Which, it. Which again is just as strong of an, as an argument as you know what you nuke us, we nuke you, both dead, dead, bye, bye. Except no nuke us, no nuke you. You 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 nuke us, we nuke you. We never got nuked. Is what uh, Reagan was saying. Which is Reagan was like, you you send a nuke at us, we'll shoot it out of the sky, and then we'll send a nuke right back at you because we're in space. Star Wars, motherfucker. Have you seen Jedi? Uh, like, literally, he said this in 84. Like, Jedi just came up. <laughs> the man, like, Ronald Reagan is known. Translate, have you seen Jedi in a rush for me, please? <laughs> yeah. Reagan is known for losing his fucking mind at the end of his life. Like, he went senile and crazy and said, made no fucking sense nice. and uh this is exactly what that is he's just fucking lunatic just talking about star wars and I miss other people voting for that <laughs> man <laughs> yeah no fucking shit but we see peggy make her triumphant return back to tom landry and she's just brandishing that paddle around in a very like uh nonchalant way but at the yeah. same time doing what denim just discussed she's also being very threatening with it like i don't i have this i don't need to use it but 
you know that I can. So like, just be careful. Exactly, and she uh, she notices in the back of the class while she's basically like, you know, when a, a woman is upset in a in an argument, and then every syllable she claps with what she's saying to <laughs> add emphasis to oh, the point. I hate it when people do that on Twitter because they do it after every word, yeah. and it is on the syllable. Yeah, people be like, we. Don't want to hear National Geographic talk about lions. <laughs> it's like it's not after every word; it's every syllable. And so I hate it. That's what she does with the paddle, and she's interrupted by uh, who we noticed earlier—the only two characters in her class that actually support her, Joseph and Connie. And hey, Joseph, that's not true. Sorry, Eustace supported her fine. <laughs> okay, Randy. Well, jo- Joseph. Oh, Randy. Yeah. Yeah. One of the two. Joseph. His son. Yeah. Joseph and Connie, uh, they are chatting in the back of the class. And Joseph asks Connie a question, and Peggy is not having anything to do with it. But she doesn't really know how to handle the conflict except for what she scripted for herself. Do you think she's going to use that battle? I don't know, but I'll tell you what. Uh, Excuse (coughs) me, should you be talking while I am talking? Padlin Peggy says, uh, oh, Padlin Peggy says, uh, uh, uh. (laughs) <laughs> and like the um, the following scene that we see, it's Bobby confronting Hank in the alley. That's and, right. And he is so right where he's just like, "You got to stop, Mom. She's crazy. This whole bit is just creepy as fuck." Like referring to herself in the third person, and like of all people to threaten, she threatens the only two students who had her back. And like Joseph will no longer go hang out with Bobby because. He's frightened of Peggy. Fair enough. Joseph won't even come over to play anymore because he says he's having nightmares about that stupid paddle. Did you hear that? My son is dreaming about getting spanked by your wife. Well, that's not so unusual. <laughs> <laughs> so was, he obviously meant Peggy, but maybe he meant Nancy. Oh, uh, he meant Peggy. <laughs> yeah, no, we know. I'm surprised <laughs> Hank didn't acknowledge that line. I mean, Bill has some... Tidbits to add about Peggy um, with her, I don't know what even to describe it, but she's got a lot more confidence in herself, so she's got more hormones. Testosterone. Testosterone. Well, she's feeling powerful now, so her body is producing extra amounts of testosterone. I bet if Peggy wanted to, she could grow a mustache. Of course, I don't know why she'd want to. <laughs> I was watching this and I was like, Allie, can you really quick find out if that's true or not? And she just looked at me. <laughs> she was like, you fucking stupid. <laughs> like that that's completely unfounded. Yeah, I was that, kidding. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> So the next scene, I think this one is actually my fit. Like, I know you both had your own favorites. Dude, what was mine? Um, you liked the cotton line. You liked the Hank line. Yeah. I like <laughs> this entire scene because it opens up with the Hill family dinner, which is an awkward dinner because Bobby's mad at mom. Hank wants nothing to do with anything going on. Yeah. And Peggy is just absolutely swimming in her testosterone. Yeah. And they're just eating. Guess who won best French manicure at the Beauty Academy today? Dad, can I go ride bikes with Joseph? I thought we'd watch Shark Week on the Discovery Channel. Michael Palin is hosting. I don't want to. But, honey, you love Michael Palin. Are you coming down with something? 
Let me feel your forehead. I don't want to watch your stupid show, okay? Bobby! Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Our chief weapon is surprise. Surprise and fear. Fear and surprise are two weapons. Our fear and surprise and ruthless efficiency are three weapons. Our fear and surprise and ruthless efficiency and an almost fanatical devotion to the Pope are four. <laughs> Amongst our weapons. Amongst our weaponry are such elements as fear. I'll come in again. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Sir Michael Edward Palin, born the 5th of May, 1943, in Ranmore, Sheffield, England. Michael Palin was a founding member of the historical Monty Python comedy troupe. Known as my Monty Python. <laughs> Michael Palin was a founding member of the historical Monty Python comedy troupe. He appeared in all of the Monty Python movies and TV show, along with many of Terry Gilliam's films, um, including my favorite, Brazil. My favorite was the, his scene in Holy Grail where he's stacking the piles of mud <laughs> and he describes the system of government that they have. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that's uh, my man, Monty Python's great. Uh, yeah, Michael Michael Palin, he's classic. He's he's seventy seven years old. I knew him like like I recognized him when you were showing me the clips, but like I didn't know who he was before. But it's just so funny that like Peggy's one hundred percent right that Bobby like he would be one of Bobby. Oh yeah, he'd yeah, be oh, his yeah. hero. Oh yeah. No, you're totally right there, and um, and that was that was that was him in the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> yeah, and like. The other part of that comment, Peggy mentions Shark Week. Now, we all know Shark Week, but for those mm. of you who don't, it's the annual week-long TV programming block created by Tom Golden at Discovery Channel. Now, Shark Week first premiered on July 17, 1988, and originally Shark Week had a, had a much grander purpose than it does now. The original Shark Week was dedicated to conservation efforts and correcting misconceptions about sharks because the species was being literally wiped out. This is pre-Will Ferrell. Yeah. <laughs> this is where that fact comes from, where more people die by vending machines per year than sharks. Exactly. And um, as Shark Week grew in popularity, Discovery Channel kind of realized what they could do with it, and the programming changed drastically to be more, like, dramatic and fictitious and, like, all this fake science, like, bullshit shows. Like, here's, like, some of the titles. Megalodon, The Monster Shark Lives. Shark of Darkness, Wrath of Submarine. <laughs> shark of Darkness. It's closer to the book, actually, than Apocalypse yeah. Now is. I like Dark of Sharkness. <laughs> we, uh, we also have Monster Hammerhead, and my favorite is um, Lair of the Mega Shark. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, like, they're all those, bu- like, we've all seen these bullshit shows before totally. where they kind of, like. I've seen Jaws. <laughs> like, I, mean, I mean, Shark Week. And I've seen Moonraker. Shark mm-hmm. Week was huge on Twitter in, like, 2016. Yeah. For some reason. But, like, so sh- Shark Week was, like, like originated like a very noble purpose to try and help the shark species and like later it was the programming change it grew mass criticism from like the scientific community and also actors like Will Wheaton (laughs) (laughs) well he's not a fan of Shark Week no he would call it for a firefly (laughs) he's from Stand By Me (laughs) is he? yeah he's one of the kids really? he's from Star Trek he's Wesley Crusher he wrote Firefly did he? I'm pretty sure no John Sweden did Either oh, way. You're right. Yeah. That's Joss Whedon. <laughs> Joss Whedon wrote Firefly. Different Whedon. 
Will Wheaton definitely he called it's spelled different too. He called for like an we, entire Will Wheaton. <laughs> Sounds the same. Okay, shut up. He called for a, a definite uh, boycott of the Discovery Channel. Um, but um, <laughs> just stop. That was it. just funded by Big Sci-Fi. <laughs> yeah, but uh, quite possibly the most embarrassing moment for Shark Week and sharks alike came in 2017 when Discovery had retired Olympic athlete and bong enthusiast Michael Phelps race and lose to a computer-generated great white shark. What the fuck? How I haven't seen that? Dude, I watched it. It was so hurting. I'm such a big fucking enthusiast of Michael Phelps. Dude, um, the... Shark Week this year. I don't know if you've went to a liquor store during Shark Week. As you do, one gets excited about Shark Week. Then one wants to buy alcohol to enjoy Shark Week that much more. When I walked in the liquor store, they had a big Shark Week display. (laughs) It was from Phillips, our favorite brewery. Oh, was it the Tiger Shark? It was the Tiger Shark. And they gave me a, it was like, you know, you buy the Tiger Shark six pack and you get a bag and a, in a, like a, in the beach bag is a tiger shark beach towel nice so i got that and uh it's my perfect bag to take my doobies and my beer over next door when i want to go have a hot tub over at dustin's house it's not bad that's all right but it, like it goes like what we were talking to earlier. I don't know if we re-recorded it or not. But like how this episode with time-wise, it doesn't make a ton of sense because Shark Week has always been either July or August. Yeah. So like with it being well, while Peggy's teaching, it just doesn't make sense. But I mean, yeah. that's a this 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 a un- little slip. This universe jumps all over the place with their timeline, really. Right. Well, I mean, this who knows episode. when? I mean, there could have been a billion Shark Weeks back then. But also, um, just speaking to that, because we noticed that this episode did air out of order. Maybe it was written in like. Oh, no, it should have er- or aired earlier. It would have aired in like November. If oh, it was okay, the so n- never yeah. mind. I'm, tr- I'm I'm trying to save you, King of the Hill, but the only like connection I could make is why they said Shark Week is because Michael Palin was known later in his career for doing documentaries like Nature. Cool. He was. Documentaries. Yes. I, yeah, I, so. I omitted that fact. Sorry. Yeah. But either way, I was just trying to give the people what they wanted, <laughs> and that's right. The Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> We move on in the episode, and it's channel 84. Wait, no, 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 no. No, no it's sorry, not. Sorry, Okay, go um, ahead. So we, we send her back to the dinner table, and we do see that oh, Peggy right. doesn't understand why Bobby doesn't want to watch Shark Week with her. And Hank is reluctant to say, but he ends up giving in and saying that it may or... Maybe nothing, or it may be you and your whooping stick. <laughs> and he basically kind of calls Peggy out for acting in this kind of unprofessional and aggressive manner and kind of embarrassing her son, their son. And she bites back right away and calls him out. Hank, do I tell you how to sell propane and propane accessories? Did I criticize you for your big spatula Tuesday fiasco? No, I did not, because I respect you as a professional. And that is all I want, Hank, just a little respect. But I guess that's too much to ask for from you and Bobby. And I may have said earlier, but I'm saying it again now, that this coming up is the closer to my favorite line (laughs) in this show. Because if you'll remember, Luann started this dinner with a toast that nobody acknowledged. Yes. (laughs) Again, my favorite. (laughs) She asked if the family knew who won the French braiding competition at the beauty school. All right, 
It was Savannah Johnson. It's not fair. She works really hard. <laughs> See, I, so, I, I, I totally, I didn't, like, I, along with the rest of the Hill family, didn't listen to the first part. <laughs> and I assumed, throughout multiple watchings of this episode, I had just assumed that, that because Luann's hair is the way it is, that oh. she was asking who did my hair. <laughs> so I thought that the reason her hair is different is because the Sharona Johnson had done her hair. No, okay, so the line is actually, guess who won best French, French manicure? French at manicure. The, at the Beauty Academy yeah, today. That's, a, a, that's nails fingernails, thing. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was Sharona Johnson because uh, she, she worked, worked really hard, and that's not fair. Oh, I love Luanne. She's oh. the best. Have I told you guys about the picture we got? Yeah. yeah we're going to cut that out again. <laughs> but that, that line, that is just... Too funny, it's though. and like so it's, it's 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 so funny that like it. It's there's, the, there's no room for Hank to acknowledge it. We're like you know, if Bobby said that he'd go into like a traditional like, well, hard work pays off. Like blah blah totally. blah. Like. There's not even room for us to see a C plot of <laughs> Sharona Johnson no. winning, which is yeah. what I really would want to see. I don't know though. I think this episode works as it is. I like I mean, it. Fair enough. I'm just so moving along in the episode. Peggy is in a tizzy because Channel 84 wants to do a new story on her and old Spanky, but she can't find it. She starts freaking out. She gets all dirty, disheveled. She's looking for the paddle, like she and she like she eventually finds it in the Gribble's garbage. And the first thing she does is start accusing Joseph of being the one who put it there. And it seems like she's kind of like a relax, like not relaxed is the wrong word, but she seems. It's like a loaded, like, uh, like she like, asked, yeah, was it you? And then like, she notices that like the cameras are on her and the eyes are on her. And that's really when Paddle and Peggy kind of takes over and she doesn't act the way she normally would with Joseph. And well, she, yeah, I mean, that makes, that again makes sense. I think. Apologize you. I didn't do anything. All right, I am not all talk, you know. Yeah. You didn't apologize, so you chose your fight. Somebody stop her! Peggy, no! I said I didn't do anything! He's telling the truth, Mom! He was with me all day! Well, somebody took it. It was Bill! No! <laughs> all right, it was me! I took it! Somebody had to stop you, you're crazy! And I just want to say, like, there's a couple things that we kind of missed. We jumped in this pretty quick, but, like... A, she found the the paddle in the Gribble's trash. So, yes, it would have been either Joseph or Dale. And on the Gribble trash can, <laughs> it says private property, do not search, yeah. which you'd assume is like most people know that when you put garbage out on the curb, it becomes public property, <laughs> but not the Gribble's trash. That reminds me of the Bare Naked Ladies. It's been one week. And as, to continue on, <laughs> uh, I love that Dale, like, his son is about to get beat for what he did, and he is waiting till the last possible moment to blame it on somebody else yeah. <laughs> until finally taking the like accountability for it. I know he's so afraid of Peggy; it's pathetic. And it like, really is. He didn't do a very good job of hiding old Spanky, but I mean, like a little <laughs> off topic. Like, I mean, Peggy did a much better yeah. job. Did you guys ever get? Spanked as children? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Yes, I have been spanked <laughs> as a child. It, it wasn't with like exactly like a paddle. I mean, it was pretty much a paddle. It was a. It was a like a wooden. Spoon. It was a very large wooden spoon, <laughs> and uh, I was I was spanked with it once or twice, and then all it took was a 
very stern, threatening, and brandish of the what my mother dubs the butza stick. Yeah, she took the same strategy as Peggy, where like she gained the cre- credibility of like she's used it once, and now we know that she has the <laughs> capacity to use it. So if it's threatened, we'll just run to our rooms and blockade the door. Yeah, it's, it'll 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 be it'll all it'll all blow over if you just get out of eyesight. Yeah, well, it's good. It served its person purpose. I mean, I I was never spanked. My dad did used to beat me. With a sack of frozen oranges, but I was never spanked. <laughs> <laughs> they leave no bruises. That's the, yeah, that's why he's a smart man. <laughs> it's okay, son. Daddy's here. <laughs> <laughs> you big boy. Uh, Dale is still my favorite. I was always more afraid of my dad. <laughs> well, definitely. I remember the one time I threw a helmet on the ground, and he got very upset with me. Yeah, he never hit. He never hit me, but uh, he uh, he 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 made me feel real ashamed. <laughs> he made me feel real bad. Well, he never put out cigarette butts on the back of your neck. No, no, well, he did just me. me. When what he did, he did when he saw me smoking. He did tell me he was like, "I'm never gonna say it again." But every time I see you smoke, it breaks my heart. I was like. <laughs> Fuck. I was like, all right. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> like, cuts deep. Damn. <laughs> I, I mean, suck. like, you could have just told me I was stupid. I would have, <laughs> I would get over that. You already know that, <laughs> <Yeah>. son. <laughs> How about you? You spoke under him. Yes. Yeah, spark- <laughs> How does he sparky? like that? He doesn't like it. He just says, quit smoking. I said, Dad, it's only weed. <laughs> <laughs> he knows the difference. I fucking smoked in the car with him once, and he, I was like, sorry. He was like, I don't fucking care. He's like, I grew up in the 70s. They'll <laughs> smoke everywhere I go, but I don't want to see you do it. I'm like, all right. <laughs> you should have found your own ride. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next scene that we do see is Peggy in the dumps again and she's at the kitchen table and this is the part in the episode where we know it's winding down are you and sure spanking days are over they are over and we've seen in the past that this is the time when Hank has to step in and Hank has to give a speech to get whoever is down back up on their feet again but this episode's a little different you know I have a little speech I've been saving for the day Bobby gets beat up by a bully, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. Him and his darn prop comedy. Every time the boy gets into a jam, he shoves french fries up his nose and makes a new friend. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) When my dad dropped me off at school every morning, he said, make a new friend. That's what mom said to me, too. Yeah. (laughs) That was the <laughs> it was a different time. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. And also, I know exactly how Hank feels because, like, while I'm mowing the lawn, I have a billion conversations with myself that I've stored to have with other people as soon as the time arrives. So I'll be like, what if I ever have a kid and he needs three dogs? I'll explain to him. I'll think of how I can explain to him two is enough. <laughs> it's like... But you're you're totally right, and honestly, it seems like Peggy doesn't need that conversation from Hank right now because she's going to give herself her own speech. No, she's certainly not listening to anything anybody has to say. And I was disappointed about that. I really wanted to hear Hank's speech. I did, too, speech. because there's no closure to that. You know, well, somewhere like inside me is the old Peggy Hill, the one who taught children without scaring the bejesus out of them. I just need to find her again. It's a shitty speech. Like, it's short, and it's not good enough. Yeah, but exactly. whatever. Like she takes such pride in being a substitute teacher. You'd think she'd try and be a full-time 
teacher. <laughs> it works better with her lifestyle. That's true. But, I mean, following Peggy's uh, speech to herself, we find ourselves back at Tom Lavendy Middle School, and Joseph is doing his own speech to the class. Yeah, he's telling a story, and he's basically saying that when she dropped that paddle in the alleyway, she just looked like Bobby's mom again. <laughs> and at that moment... That's the bell. <laughs> the kids have to go and sit down because Miss Gonzalez is still on leave and Peggy is still the substitute. Gonzalez? Mm -hmm. Gonzalez. Senor Dooley, I thought you were suspended. I thought you were fired. <laughs> <laughs> bygones are bygones, so welcome back. That's how you play that. Yeah, and she, she played it well, but it's not the only shot that gets pulled on her because when she starts to discuss punishment the she pulls down the map and the map has a picture of Peggy being pantsed your feet are big no one ever expected it <laughs> Dooley's so articulate he really is yeah like that was perfect like that was that cut deep because it was like Peggy had just gotten over she spent a whole episode getting over this problem and now he brings up like literally the problem in her life <laughs> that won't go away that she has to run away to Mexico or to deal with. Um, but this is when Peggy is listening to her own speech and she now is going to fight her biggest problem, which is Dooley and the idea of punishment. She's going to fight it with education. Spain, 1478, the weapon of choice, the mace. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> Amongst our weaponry are such diverse elements as fear, surprise, ruthless vigilance, and almost fanatical devotion to the Pope and nice red uniform. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the fanatical devotion to the Pope. <laughs> That's a war tactic. It, it, it was in the Middle Ages, let me tell you. The tribunal of the Holy Office of the Inquisition in Spanish, that's translated to Tribunal del Santo Oficio de la Inquisición. <laughs> it was intended to maintain Catholic orthodoxy in their kingdoms and to replace the medieval Inquisition, which was under papal control. That's the Pope. The Inquisition was originally intended to primarily to identify heretics among those who converted from Judaism to Catholicism. Uh, the regulation of the faith newly converted Catholics was intensified after the royal decrees issued in 1492 and 1502, ordering Muslims and Jews to convert to Catholicism or leave. The Inquisition was not definitively abolished until 1834 under the reign of Isabella II after a period of declining influence in preceding century. That's fun. That's such like a nice name. The Spanish Inquisition. No, Isabella II. Oh, yeah. Why? <laughs> she was like, hey, you know what? This fucking 300 years of killing Jews and Muslims isn't working for us. Let's yeah. fucking call an end to it. <laughs> Let them drink margaritas. It's ridiculous. It's, somebody find their other head on straight. They did have a fucking unwavering <laughs> love for the Pope. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, thanks for that. And... Like, nearing the end of the episode, Peggy finally has control of the class again by wielding this, like, 14th century, you know, weapon of destruction. 
But we head back to the alley for the final scene of the episode. And Peggy's back in her garden where the episode started. And I guess it's also the final scene of the garden in the series. But she feels like she's being watched. And there's a definite <laughs> set of eyeballs looking through the fence. And it's, uh, it's none other than Dale. He's spying on Peggy. And she invites Joseph and Bobby over to help her out in the garden. Yeah, because she thinks Joseph's behind the fence. Yeah. She's like, oh, I think I'm being watched. And she thinks it's Joseph. And she's like, oh, Joseph. <laughs> but it's, it's not. But it's Dale. Oh, I also wanted to mention, when Peggy was in the classroom and she brought out what she called the mace, that's actually called a morning star. It is, yeah. It's not actually a mace. A mace is more of it a... It has just a stick with a ball at the end. Yeah. A mace has the chain link. And a, I mean, the, 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 the morning star or a flail has the, the chain link attached to the ball. So I just wanted to say that. Right. But mace is more imposing of a name. Yeah, totally. Like mace <laughs> well, it's like how everybody calls like the nunchucks nunchucks when the nunchaku. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking nerd! Nerd! I'm just kidding. But we find out that what? Peggy has ground up old Spanky, and she's going to spread it in her garden as mulch. Careful, Joseph. <laughs> Along with horse shit. <laughs> I think it's, it's goat, goat shit. shit. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's right. And honestly, I think I think that's just a fine ending <sighs> to the episode. It is. Everything's back to the way it was, minus the garden. Yeah, which is gone next episode. Well, Hank's not going to give up valuable real estate no. of his perfect green grass. And as is tradition, when it is the end of the episode, it brings us to our final thoughts. What are you looking for? <laughs> Historian, would you like to kick us off with some final thoughts? Yeah, I'll go first. So my final thought is I I actually really like I I know that this episode has taken us literally months to get through. <laughs> and I remember looking after our last one and thinking, ah, oh, the next one's a Peggy episode. Like, not excited for that one. And then when we kept putting it off, kept putting it off, I was like, yeah, all right. Well, I'm not that down. Okay, fine. And then eventually we got back to it. And I'm very happy that this is a good episode. Like, this, I don't know if it's just because I really miss this and I really love talking about King of the Hill with you guys. But um, I'm like, I'm I'm excited about this one. I think that, like as I mentioned earlier, like its plot threads, they leak out into all the characters that I wanted to know about except for Luann. But I'm yeah. so thrilled with the amount that she was in this one because it was effective. The like it was like one like sorry nobody cares about your story, but mostly nobody cared about you in this episode you weren't in it like it was like a vintage luann episode it was she it really was kind of just there she yeah. just was there and like and most of the, everybody like and i think that like for a peggy episode where peggy's characteristics are usually abrasive and like 
uh, ref- like they she like pushes away other characters in episodes that are about her, and I dislike that in episodes about her it's all about her, and that it doesn't allow other characters to have their point of views. Whereas this episode, her actions affected other characters in such a way that they all had to react in their own ways towards her. So it brought it all back to Peggy, which was the main character of the episode, and I think this is my number one Peggy episode. This is my favorite Peggy episode, I believe, for the reasons I just stated. Interesting. Um, I like the episode as well, and I I mentioned it earlier. I don't know if it was recording or not, (laughs) but I originally started taking notes on this episode way back in July, and when we were doing it, I was this, or when I was doing it, I was kind of like, okay, this is like kind of a... Like, especially because the episodes that came before that, like a firefighting, we will go was such a fun one. And we had so many people in the clubhouse. So this one was like a bit of a letdown at the time. But in recent days, when I started re-looking through it, I was just like, it's it's great. And like having this break from the podcast and King of the Hill in itself, you you forget. And then you you remember that like any King of the Hill from this era is a solid gold hit. And that we're just so lucky that we can even call some of them worse than others, I guess. No but, shit. That's I, a paddling. That's a paddling. That's a paddling. Ooh, you better believe that's a paddling. But I, yeah, I love Cotton in this episode. I feel he saved it. Hank was very short and subtle, but just the funniest he's ever been. Uh, Dale was great, too. And, um, yeah, I I didn't think about it in that sense, but it may be my favorite Peggy episode, too. I'll have to think about it again and get back to y'all. But, Dustin, what did you think about the episode? Honest, Can I water, too? Honestly, like... Similar situation as to how you started your final thoughts is that I don't know what was recorded and what wasn't. And <laughs> I'm, I'm like, it hurts me deep down that I was the one to mess up and, and accidentally stop the recording when we were going through this episode initially. Because I had a lot of like raw emotion and like, like genuine excitement for this episode that maybe was lost to my foolishness. But <laughs> it... it at the end of the day, like, this episode is still good, and I do recall, like, in, in I guess, days past, when having to research Peggy episodes, I was reluctant to hit replay, and I was reluctant to rewatch scenes. And in this one, I didn't feel that same way, and I think a lot of it is just because, like, maybe Peggy's growing on me, maybe it was the distance that I've had with King of the Hill and bringing it back to just being excited about seeing just these characters on screen again. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter what excited me about it, but this episode did excite me. And, and, that, and that really just, it brings me a lot of joy and kind of hope for going forwards and I think like coming back on a Peggy episode which literally has been our lowest points in the past <laughs> it gives me a lot of hope that I can only really go up from here and and exactly and as bad as the situation as today was uh, I think that we made the most of it guys I had fun I had fun and I think Dedham's right that like this <laughs> is, Miles is, is gesturing to the room. He's circled with his hand. <laughs> is what we uh, what we missed especially, and uh, and we miss you guys. I, I do miss engaging with you guys because you're you're a lot of fun. I'm looking at the clubhouse and I'm looking at those listeners, and in that essence, I guess I'll just have to give this episode 200 pancakes and <laughs> over a thousand pages of software design. <laughs> and as much syrup as you got. <laughs> <laughs> 
So with that being said, I guess we'll just have to finish off with a round table. We're Matanya! We'll see you in the next one. Hey now. on Twitter at Utsakothpod or follow us on Instagram at Utsakothpod or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at Utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please, no hate mail. Hey, what you crying for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.